You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Well, hello everybody. Hello Queen City family and beyond. This is Andy Squires here and we are here today with my good friend, Adam Fidel, who is a member here at Queen City. Say hello, Adam. Hello, everybody. Hello, Queen City. <laughs> Adam is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And we're going to talk a little bit today about issues revolving around our current situation that we all find ourselves in. Robin and I have been uh, talking a little bit about the pandemic and ways to navigate through the situation. And uh, we've, we've been coming at it from a spiritual perspective, but Adam and I are going to talk maybe a little, maybe we'll move from the abstract to the concrete a little bit today. Sure. Is that, yep. is, is that a fair assessment, Adam? Can, yeah, let's do some of that if we can. All right. Well, <clears throat> let's, let's go ahead and, uh, first of all, uh, did you watch the NFL draft last night? I did not, but I looked at the picks. Okay. I wanted to see who was going where. The winners and lures, the losers. Uh, uh, I guess Joe Burrows got drafted number one. He did. Going to Cincinnati. We'll be praying for him. Yep. It's going to be quite a, quite a road there to redemption, but hopefully jo- old Joe will help them out. Uh, I'm only asking you that question because you're a huge sports fan, but namely college basketball. That's really your thing, right? Primarily college basketball. Huge Duke fan. Huge Duke fan. <laughs> Uh, I actually went to the game at Carolina this past year. Okay. It was the first time I ever got to see them play live. So Wow. Well, so you Chapel Hill fans, you just need to forgive forgive <laughs> Adam. Don't hold it against him. Uh, we, we love him anyways. And uh, so anyways, we're going to jump on in here. Uh, hey, Adam, first of all, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about your background sure. in therapy? Sure. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, I earned my master's degree uh, out in California, actually, um, at Fuller Theological Seminary. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so got, I think, a great integration of clinical training and theological training. Mm. Um, and then my family and I moved to Charlotte uh, four years ago, and we've been a part of Queen City for four years. Yeah. Um, obviously, love Charlotte, love Queen City, uh, love the community here. And then I have a practice. Uh, I'm the clinical director for uh, the name of the practice is the Corner Institute for Transformation. Okay. Uh, and the idea of the Corner, I think we've talked about it a little bit before, uh, comes from uh, out of Mark chapter two. Yeah. Uh, and the, the paralytics carry, um, or I'm sorry, the four friends carry the paralytic. Yeah. They tear off the roof, they lower him before Jesus and he gets up, his sins are forgiven and he, he gets mm-hmm. up and lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea with um, what I'm hoping to create and the way that I train the therapist that I work with uh, is to to really just be competent in carrying one corner. When couples or families or individuals come in, uh, there's a responsibility and a role that I think we have and that we can take on as therapists uh, to help them emotionally and relationally. And then the other corners, they need to be their church community, uh, their relationship with God, prayer. It doesn't necessarily matter what you put in those mm. other corners. Yeah. Um, but just what we do and what I do is taking responsibility for my part uh, and trying to help people move forward. I really love that analogy. So you're taking that story of Jesus sitting in that house. The crowds are all around him. There's a man who's paralyzed. He's bedridden. 
his four friends, there might be more friends, sure. but in the sure. story, right. we, we realize that there are these four people that have removed the roof off this house and they're, they're each one holding a set, a corner of the mat that right. this man is on and they're lowering him down so that he can be, well, he can get to Jesus, sure. you know? And so your analogy of, of, uh, each one of those corners is represented by maybe a church. One of those corners could be a church community. Yep. Another corner could be your family. Another corner could be your friends. And then, and then another corner could be a therapist. Sure. Adam, would you, you've, you've talked to me about this a little bit and it was really eye opening and educational for me. Could you tell me, tell us again the difference between maybe counseling and therapy? Sure. Um, so the, the way that I articulate that, um, counseling tends to be more pastoral. Mm. Uh, there are counselors who are licensed counselors right? and they are trained clinically. Yeah. Um, I think when I, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And, and I think when I think of therapy, uh, there are more, um, technical protocols mm. that are designed. Uh, they are objective, they're evidence-based, which means they have some validity in terms of helping people deal with certain symptoms, um, or, uh, internal struggles or crisis. Yeah. Uh, and so being trained in those, uh, there's obviously the relational component to what I do. I mean, you have to be able to sit and talk with people and they need to trust you and you need sure. to understand them. Um, but once that's identified, um, and there's, there's an ongoing debate in, you know, the art and the science of what we do. Right. Um, you know, how much technique versus how much just connecting and relating to people sure. is, is necessary. And sure. that's, but that's true for every, I mean, I think that's true for pastors and, musician right Absolutely. like it doesn't matter yeah. there's an art and science component to both yeah and so therapy for me it, it it leans a little bit more technical um and objective because really one of the foundationally one of the core tenets of psychology a hundred years ago was to help people um see themselves in objective reality mm. right so it, it it's it has to i think there's there's a way to help them get beyond just my perspective of them or just what they perceive or interpret yes. their dilemmas are. Right? Okay. So it's, it, those, those techniques or tools are designed to help them, in a sense, step outside of themselves and see themselves, I would say, more truthfully or uh, objectively. So do I hear you saying that counseling looks more like uh, an exchange of some kind of uh, advice or wisdom? Sure. And then and in therapy, you're more... You're, you're maybe doing actual practical work that's helping people think differently. Sure. Is, would that be a fair assessment? Yep. Think differently. Um, actually learn how to regulate their own emotion. Okay. You have the capacity to do yeah. that. So it is, it's emotional. It's cognitive. Mm. Um, it's internal. Okay. Um, and there's, there's a variety of modalities and techniques that, that therapists use or counselors may even use, uh, to help people do that. And we can, I'm sure we can talk about sure. it. Sure. Well, the reason why we're having this conversation today is that Robin and I, as I said earlier, we've been just we've been thinking through uh trying to help folks who are stuck at home. And obviously there's a new normal currently. And one of the dynamics that we've observed is that because we're not as busy as we once were. Sure. We're, we're in, uh, uh, to one degree or another, some isolation. And what we've seen in, in folks' lives is that when they're not busy, there's this opportunity for, 
for things that have been maybe never dealt with, sure, pushed to the side. There, there, there. There's potential for that stuff to rise to the surface, and all the all the negative effects associated with those things. Um, so let me just ask you this: as a mental health professional, do you have any observations on the current state that we find ourselves in in terms of our mental health? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think the obvious ones right now that people uh, would be most prevalent would be people are anxious, they're worried. Mm. Uh, there's doubt and hopelessness. Wow. Um, which is interesting because obviously that exists. Um, but I will say uh, that even with the clients that I'm working with right now, I'd say more than half of them, they're expressing nerves. Wow. But I think there's a difference between nerves and being anxious or worried or overwhelmed by something. Okay. Um, and those clients... Um, they seem to be very clear um, about what they know, mm. right? And they're not dealing. So in the in, when you're dealing with anxiety or being overwhelmed, there's the physiological component. We can talk about that. But then from a cognitive perspective, where people get stuck with anxiety is there. There's too much. They're spending way too much time in the what if, mm. right? They're they're too far out in a sense. Okay. Right. They're 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 getting too far out in terms of what they have no control over. Um, or what they, they perceive might be happening six months from now, a year from now. Well, nobody can deal with that because sure. nobody knows. There's no way to manage that. There's no way to reality. manage that, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's external and it's too far out. Okay. So you just, just a line of thinking is, okay, instead of what if, what is? Mm. What's the current reality? Like, okay. what do we know? Yes. Right? And so there's an, there's an element of helping people slow down. Uh, and, and a lot of these people are doing that, slowing down. Look, and there's practical things. If you, if you breathe, if you're conscious of your breath and you're, you're meditating or you're praying or you're mindful, then your nervous system slows down. Okay. Uh, so that's a really practical thing to do. You just have to consciously do it. Um, the other thing, and, and you and Robin, I think, had talked about this in a previous podcast, mm. was um, the significance of gratitude. Mm. Uh, so one thing that's really interesting, there's, so it is impossible for your heart to be both anxious and grateful at the same time. Like wow. It can't happen. Wow. So, so you, when you say it can't happen, you're talking from a, a scientific Yeah. So like if you measure, like, so if we, I could take you through a gratitude exercise right now. Yeah. Right. So you could assess your anxiety. Okay. Like zero to 10. So yeah. it's at a five. Hey, let's do it. You let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it right now. All right. So okay. um, on a scale of zero to 10, how, how anxious would you say that you feel in from your shoulders down? What do you notice in your body? I, I, I could say there's probably a underlying low grade fever of worry in, in my body. Okay. Scale it zero to I, 10. I, I would say a four and a half. Four and a half. Okay. Yeah. So what, and this is what's great about this. It's, uh, it's maybe a one or two minute exercise. Okay. So, uh, take a deep breath, scan down into your body. And now what I want you to do. So the most, the most powerful thing we have outside of our relationship with God is people. Okay. So I want you to think of the first person that comes to mind that you're grateful for in your life. Okay. Who is it? It's Amy Squires. All right, it's your wife. Yes. Okay, so I want you to picture, I want you to bring to mind Amy. I want you to think of her face and I want you to look into her eyes. Okay. And I want you to think of one thing in your relationship with Amy that you're grateful for. Just pick one. Okay. What is it? Uh, She is steadfast. Okay. So she's steadfast. She's dependable. Yes. She's consistent. Very dependable. All right. So I want you to just, I want you to picture her face, mm-hmm. like look into her eyes. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think of 
the ways that you've experienced her being steadfast or dependable in your life. Okay. And just hold those two things together for a few seconds. Take a deep breath. Let it go. Who's the next person that comes to mind? One of my children. Just pick one. Yeah. I've got one. Oh, yeah. who it? <laughs> it's it's Elliot Squires. All right, so Elliot, I want you yeah. to picture Elliot. Okay. Look into her eyes, see her face. And what's one thing that stands out or comes to mind that you're grateful for with Elliot? I've got it. What is it? She is a very good friend to people. All right, she's very compassionate. Yes, very okay. compassionate. Okay. So I want you to picture, bring to mind her, like look into her eyes, picture mm-hmm. her face. And I want you to think of the moments that stand out where you've seen her friendship or compassion to others. Mm-hmm. Just hold those two things together for a few seconds. Take a deep breath. Who's the next person that comes to mind? It's another one of my kids. <laughs> sure, yeah. And, uh, that, we would expect that, right? Yeah. So, uh, who, who is it? Who comes to mind? Uh, Henry came to mind. All right, Henry. So same thing. Okay. Take a moment and I want you to picture Henry. And as you look into his eyes, what's one thing that you're grateful for? I'm really grateful for him because he is an adventurer. Okay. He explores. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I want you to think of, look into his eyes, picture okay. him, and I want you to think of moments that stand out where he's exploring or taking adventures mm-hmm. or maybe taking risks and just hold those two things together. Take a deep breath. Let it go. Take another one. Scan down into your body. What do you notice? Well, what I've noticed is that I've, I've thought for the last two or three minutes about people that I love and it's, you know, because my anxiety or worry level weren't super high. Sure. It's not like a drastic drop. Sure. But I can definitely, there's a degree or a greater sense of, of love and just sure. feeling love, like feelings of love. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm more aware of that right now. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the, uh, gratitude again, yeah, it's, if you, regardless of where your anxiety is, yeah. right. It doesn't matter. So if you start it to feel it increase in your body, mm. right. You're worried about something you, you know, you're getting too far out in terms of the things you can or can't control. Yeah. It's like, well, you can slow yourself down. That's a practical exercise. Yeah. It's the most helpful one I've ever used. Wow. So when folks are at their office at work or yeah. that you can't get up and go somewhere, um, it's a one minute exercise. Obviously you can add people to that list. Yeah. So you could keep going. You could add yeah. up to 10 people to that list if you're sure. 15 if you want to. Sure. And the, the, the neat thing about it over time is even if it's the same people, mm. the thing specifically that you're remembering you're grateful for can change. Yes. So it's not like Amy is only dependable for sure. and steadfast. There's way more There's things. way more. So yeah. you, can, you can use, you can create a list. Uh, you can make that a practice, mm. right? I have people that do that. Um, 
you know, in the morning when they wake up, they do yeah. it in the middle of their day and they do it before they go to bed. I had one lady, actually, it was a pretty brilliant um, idea because part of the challenge in this too is you have to discipline and train yourself to be able to slow down to remember the the tools or skills that you have, Yeah. right? That's part of the yeah. dilemma is how do you help people get grounded enough to remember, oh, and I have this that I can do. Yes. But she um, she was having a hard time. She'd wake up. She wasn't sleeping well. Um, and it was, it was helpful for her. And so she just wrote, uh, on a piece of poster board gratitude list and put it at the end of her headboard or her footboard on her bed. I so love when she'd that. wake up, she, that way she didn't have to look at her phone. Yeah. Right. She didn't have to get distracted by other things. She literally saw it and it reminded her and she mm-hmm. could take a few deep breaths and try to get herself into that space. Yeah. And then hopefully go back to sleep. That's incredible. Um, so as I'm listening to you talk and we've just done this fantastic exercise that is, is to me, it's beautiful because it is a very practical way of, of reducing anxiety levels in our body. Right. Cause that's where anxiety lives. All emotion is in your body. body, Right. right? Um, but so, so as a therapist, your job is to help people move from unhealthy habits to healthy ones. Right. Okay. And I, and I think what we just did, that practice was a healthy habit. That was a great example sure. of it. Right. Um, but why don't we just talk for a minute about bad habits? Because, uh, I, I have this sense and, and I'm clearly not a therapist. I'm not even a counselor, but I've, I engage with enough people in a, some, uh, format where I'm trying to help people work through something, right? right? Sure. Sometimes it feels like a person has so much going against them. There's so much working against them. Sure. Internally, uh, Robin and I were talking about the internal forces that are working against you and then the out outward forces that are working against right and then some folks just have a really awful mixture of both of those things um so i just want to ask you from your observations what are some of the root issues that prevent people from dealing with life in a healthy way sure well so i'm gonna we're gonna focus internally right okay because i think Externally, again, if you get too far out and the things you can't control, like no Absolutely. one knows what's going to happen with this Absolutely. virus, right? Uh, yes. You know, so, um, if we're looking internally, the things most often, uh, that are really disruptive for people are, um, I'd say what anchor it most are, are pain, undealt with grief or shame. Wow. Yeah. Right. We've talked about yeah. shame before. Yeah. Yes. So, um, look, dealing with or confronting pain, difficult times in your life, traumatic times in your life, um, negative beliefs about yourself, right? No one's waking up in the morning saying, Hey, you know, how much of that can I confront today? Right. right. It's counterintuitive. Absolutely. Like, nobody's waking up saying, no. Hey, how much pain can I endure? Right. The problem with that is though, is the longer you don't deal with that. And I think that's what you were talking about er- earlier. Yeah. When the longer you kind of are unfocused or, you know, dormant might not be the right word, but when you're, when you're, there's not time to focus on things or your energy isn't generated towards something. Yeah. Then things that are, that have been undealt with are going to surface. They will manifest themselves mm. in behaviors or doubts or worries or addiction or, you know, marital conflict. Sure. Um, and so, um, undealt with pain, grief, uh, trauma. Um, ask me the question again. Sorry. I was on a roll and then I just, 
Uh, well, I, I was just asking you, what are some of the, what are your, what are your oh, yeah. observations okay. about the root issues? Yep. Yeah. Um, that people are dealing that. And then internally. Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So those things internally. And so, you know, there's a couple, there's a couple therapy modalities that are really key for working on stuff like that. Um, one, and I'm not promoting, I'm not saying one is like the one. Yeah. Um, but one that's really helpful with dealing with, uh, I would say shame, um, would be, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. Right. So where that came from, psychiatrist named Aaron Beck in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, he was working with patients and he noticed, uh, that very often they would come in and they would, uh, there was these common patterns, these common distortions, thought patterns that they have. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what he noticed was, uh, or what eventually developed out of that was, uh, we develop these neural schemas, these neural networks from a, from a, uh, in your brain. Yeah. Literally, you develop platforms. Yeah. Or networks that you will, you will default to. Right. Uh, they're muscles. Right. Um, and so when you're confronted with certain situations, if you don't know how to, or if you haven't worked through them, you'll default to those negative beliefs. Yes. And then what happens is you go look for evidence to support that that's true. Right. Right. So, uh, we're never going to make it out of this. Mm. Right. If that's your thought, then you're going to look for evidence that supports that belief, right? So you right. can be right about something. And sure. that maybe gives you a sense of control in the moment, but mm-hmm. it doesn't eliminate the problem. Wow. And so one of the things that he developed was uh, helping people actually develop, you know, and update their thinking with, uh, there's a process you can go through. It's very simple, step-by-step. Um, and really being able to break down and look at the negative belief you have, the negative emotional response you have to it. And then is there any counter evidence mm. to it? And so that's the other thing when you're talking about how do I confront the, this pain or uh, this crisis that we're in? What are we going to do about it? One of the things that you, I'm trying to help people do is is kind of, um, and we've talked about this before, uh, you need to help them develop confidence, right? And so the way that I describe or define confidence is calm and assertive. Wow. And so um, what you're essentially trying to help people do is is actually get to real moments in their life mm. where they've actually experienced coming through or overcoming or, um, you know, solving critical or painful issues in their life so that they yeah. can anchor themselves into that place. Yeah. Right. And so I think of, um, I think of that with, um, even in the spiritual sense, it's, it's important to remember, mm-hmm. right. It's not, it's not just about what God is going to do or God's doing now, it's also knowing what he's done, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We're not the first country or, you know, era of humanity that has faced this kind of crisis. Sure. Right. So sure. there's things to remember. And uh, yeah. Robin had talked about that in a previous podcast and um, he and Donna, just the things that they had gone through over the course of their lives and just being able to remember them. Like yes. we've been through not yeah. this, but something like it. So what you're saying is that that can build calm and confidence in a person to help them deal with right so they pain. it's it's just remembering well so the dealing with the pain look no one's in, wants to embrace suffering so if, right. so that's really dealing with um having a sense of control okay like internal control yeah. right if i can anchor myself into things that i know to be true mm. about me or experiences that i've had that we've overcome then it it kind of in a sense dampens or neutralizes some of that worry or anxiety yeah when you're dealing with pain or grief um or shame like those things need to be like you have to walk into them right so i what i mean by that is 
with pain, you have to look at like the cause, like you can't ignore the fact that it exists first off. Yeah. Right? You can't run from it. Yeah. Um, secondly, with pain, there's a, um, there's an element of, of surrendering to it. Like there's suffering. Yes. Um, it, it reminds me of, are you familiar with, um, Victor Frankl? Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the things that it, the therapy that he developed a hundred years ago, or 90 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, was this idea that when, when there's negative emotion, you, um, you have to, you have to create the most accurate picture of that emotion that you're able to. And once you create the image or the picture, you can actually deal with it. Right. So there's a sense of recognizing that the pain exists and what it is and what the suffering is, but you actually have to create like a mental image of what it is. So then it, it's something you can actually confront. And yeah. I'll give you an example. So um, if someone says that they are, let's say that they, uh, I don't know, they lost a friend. Yeah. That's an extreme example. But, yeah. Um, and they're like, well, I'm depressed because I lost my friend. Mm. Um, one of the things that I think about, I'm like, are they depressed or are they sad? Those because are two different those things. Those are two different things. Yeah. Right? And I think we have a tendency to just kind of, you know, well, I feel this way and that's what it is. And it's like, but that's where you'll get stuck. Because if you don't see it accurately, yes, you won't know exactly what you're dealing with and how to deal with it. Right. Right. So sadness has a very different image, mm. right? If I ask you- Then depression. Then depression. Yeah. If I ask you to pick, picture someone who's sad, mm. who's grieving a loss, mm. right? An image will come to mind. Uh, yeah, I would I would picture somebody with tears in their eyes right. and, and right. sobbing. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so then it's like, all right, and so you can uh, you can there's a few different directions you can go with that when somebody actually sees it truthfully mm. um in terms of what's the emotional need that that person needs in that moment, right? They need right. some kind of comfort or care. Mm. Um the flip side of that, if I asked you to or if, if someone is depressed and you ask them to create a picture of that uh, more often than not, it sounds something like uh, some kind of empty void or gray space, right? There's kind of this dark. Yeah, maybe like, even a lack of feeling or the ability sure. to feel feelings. Sure, yeah. right? So that's much more difficult mm. to deal with, right? So if you think of like, you you could conceptually see yourself interacting with someone who's sad and grieving, which means you could also do it for yourself. Yeah, Right. But when, if you're in a state of depression or clinical depression and it's, there's this empty void, mm. it's much more complex to try and like figure that out or know exactly what to do. Yeah. So I think it's really critical that people actually slow down enough to really understand and name clearly what the actual emotion is that they're feeling. And there's actually a way physiologically to even do that. And that's what, that's what, that's why therapy is so important because sure. there are actually ways of, of really pinpointing what the pain is right because sometimes sometimes we're we're self-assessing and we're 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 not accurate we're not doing that accurately sure is what you're saying sure and and i i want to i want to also um go back to something that you said it really struck me when you when you said the phrase you know nobody wakes up in the morning uh looking to confront or face their pain, you know? And you you mentioned three things. You mentioned pain, you mentioned grief, and you mentioned shame. Mm -hmm. And um so I I I just realized that you know 
it really does take a concerted effort or even a focus yeah. to gain ground on any of those battles. You know, you could have all three or you could have one of those sure. three, you know, but what I'm hearing you saying is that a person who's going to in- eventually overcome those issues, those internal things, it doesn't happen on accident. It right. doesn't happen because you go enough time, uh, li- just living your life with right. those, uh, existing, I think, grids or paradigms sure. operating in right. your mind. You actually have to have a new thought. Yes. You actually have to take some, uh, you have to, you have to learn some new habits in order to replace Correct. Some of those older habits, Correct. So those old bad habits. Right. Right. Yeah. So even if we're talking about moving from a place, right. So if you, um, I used to work in LA with, uh, young folks that come out of juvenile facilities and were in the gang lifestyle. Mm, wow. And one of the debates was always, um, and this is true emotionally too. Hey, well, we need them to stop, you know, having gang wars and selling drugs and murdering each other. It's like, okay, well, what do you want them to do? Right. Well, we just want them to stop. Right. Well, then they're never going to stop. Yeah. Because where are they going to go? Mm. Like they have to understand and integrate the value of this is a better place to move. Right. And so emotionally, it's the same thing. Interesting. Right? So like, like you're you're literally trying to help people recognize and integrate an actual healthy, strong, confident place for them to move to, and they they need to formulate that in their mind. They need to deal with the pain emotionally, but then they also need to pull from the experiences that they've had. Yeah. That, that help support their, um, motivation or their belief to move in that direction. Okay. Um, so one of the, and this goes to more so with some trauma work. We've talked about this and I, I made the comment in the spiritual world, it's remembering in the trauma world. It's known as resourcing. Wow. And okay. all resourcing is, is, is there, are there moments in your life? where you have um, faced a situation that is similar in terms of whether it be crisis or pain and, and what was the result of that? Yeah. Right. Was it, was it, was it healthier? Was it stronger? Did you move through it? Yeah. And if the answer to that is yes, as soon as you can bring that to mind, mm. you'll literally feel some of the, the tra- trauma response or the stress in your body relieve itself. Wow. Right. So that becomes a new anchor. Yeah. Right. So then you can kind of go back and, Every time that you do that and you're confronting new crisis, you have these other experiences that you can, you can move in between, mm-hmm. right? So you're not, you don't get stuck necessarily in, in the negative. Wow. Um, and that takes some work. Um, sure. And all of this is a journey, right? Sure, none of this, sure. none of this happens overnight. Right. Adam, to close out this, this episode, I'm thinking about folks that are, uh, stuck at home. They've been at home for six, seven weeks now. And, you know, there's all kinds of listeners at, who, who are at different stages in their mental health journey. Some folks are going to hear this podcast and they're not necessarily going to resonate with, with, uh, the thoughts of like deep rooted pain, grief, or shame. But I, I, I have a feeling that some will. Sure. And then they're, for a lot of us, there's just the, um, just the daily grind right now of, of getting through this moment that we're, we're all in. Um, can you just leave us with maybe one or two 
daily practices that we can maybe apply. Let's just say we can't get to a therapist just now. Sure. Although we do want to connect people with some resources sure. eventually. Sure. Uh, for, for, uh, there's all kinds of like Zoom meetings that we can do with right. therapists at sure. the moment. Um, but is there any, is there one or two practices that you would recommend for folks just for, to get through this staying at home situation that we're sure. in? Sure. Yep. Uh, well, the gratitude list is one. That's fantastic. Cause you don't, you don't have to go anywhere. Right. You can do that in your car. You can do that at home. You can yeah. do that in the shower. You can do it eating breakfast with your Amen. kids. It doesn't matter. That's you can right. take that anywhere. Um, but the other thing too, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to really practically try to deal with anxiety and depression right now with what's going on, um, you know, four criteria that people, that we measure medically for depression or anxiety, um, quality sleep. So are you getting enough sleep? And is it, quality sleep. Wow. What do you put in your body? Yeah. Like what kind of food are you consuming? Uh, are you exercising? And then are you connected to people? Like, so if you go, if you go to a a medical doctor, not Mm -hmm. even a therapist, Mm -hmm. they're going to assess those kinds of things to evaluate. Are you, is your functioning well? Yeah. Right. So those are things like, I know that's harder if you've got young kids at home, you, you know, it's difficult, but you don't need to be doing these things all day. Right. Right. Sleep don't, you know, yeah. Don't stay up till midnight. And, yeah. You know, that matters. It does. Um, you know, those things are all very practical to me. Mm-hmm. And you connect with people if you are single or you don't have family immediately in your home, then it's, it's, you're going to have to be intentional with connecting to people, whether it's FaceTime or right. your neighbors outside. Or, yeah. You know, you've got to be grounded relationally with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, you know, no, we're not getting through this on our own. That's right. So, so, so you're talking about, Building a good baseline, sure, which includes good sleep, good nutrition, connecting with other people, and then what was the exercise? Other one? Exercise, some kind of physical activity. Yes, like you don't find. Here's the other thing too: it's rare people that are that are active, right? That are physically active and mm. taking care of themselves mm-hmm. typically aren't anxious or depressed. Wow. They might have relational conflict, sure. But in terms of the, the, the physical symptoms that come along with anxiety and depression, like that's rare. That's incredible. Right. So they might have to work through some other emotional yeah. dilemmas in their life. Yeah. But usually not those two. So people that are active, right? Physically active, right? You notice like if you go on a run or if you mm-hmm. do something physical, mm-hmm. like you don't, there's no, the internal chatter comes down. Yeah. It's right? true. The anxiety is right. You're, you're, you know, more fluid. You're more open, yeah. you're more calm. I actually get a, a lot of real creative ideas when I'm doing something where where my body is involved, like real physical sure. labor or yeah. exercise. I get good ideas. Your, your so, mind is clear. Mm-hmm. Man, that's fantastic. Well, Adam, I really appreciate you coming in today and uh, talking to us about all this. Uh, let's do another episode. We will. All right. You've been listening to Queen City Sermon of the Week. For more information about this recording and other resources, go to queencity.church and follow us on Instagram for live services Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday evening at 7 p.m.